It's great to be here, isn't it? All right, I'm glad that you're nodding your heads. That's a good thing. You know, I have this great picture. I, I, I had an amazing experience today. I've never had this experience before on Sunday morning, but I just want you to see the back of this magazine. Isn't that, isn't that a great picture? Can you see that, cat? Can't see it. I'm sorry. You can come and see it later. I won't show the, uh, the back of the other one. But, you know, this morning, I, uh, it was an amazing experience because I've never done this. I went to uh, Safeway, and I bought a couple of magazines, and I put them down for the checker. And the minute I put them down, I saw this smile on her face. Uh, she wasn't sure why I was buying Star and Us, you know. Oh, some of you know those magazines. I saw that, Judy. <laughs> some of you know these magazines and and uh, so I bought them and I laid them down there and she kind of smiled and and was about to ring them up and I said yeah how do you like those I said that's reading material for church there were two ladies sitting there and and the one the one says I hope you sit in the back I said no I sit up front <laughs> I didn't tell her I was a pastor but she said there's going to be people looking over your shoulder during the service uh, you know, we have an amazing interest in other people and what's going on in their lives. This is uh, pregnant Kate Hudson dumped in the delivery room. I feel so sorry for her. Her mom didn't like Goldie Hunt, didn't like the guy anyway, and she may not even be in the delivery room. <laughs> are you interested in that? Huh. A lot of people are. Kate Kardashian had surgery in the lower posterior of her body to save her marriage. She did that again. I didn't want to use the terminology they used here. And then they have a whole list of country people that may or may not be gay. Uh, yeah, people, uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but think about it. How many of you go by and when you see these magazines in the checkout stand, they're right there and you kind of read them and go, wow, is that real? Is that true? Here's Natalie Wood, murder evidence destroyed. She's been dead how long? Long, long time. And, and we're still looking at it. And all kinds of things come out around that. And, oh, man, uh, Katie takes Jamie back again. And Hoda has finally found her purpose. I'm sure glad. I'm happy for her. Anyway, you look at these, and we begin to realize. I'll put them here on one of the deacon's chairs. Um, <laughs> you begin to realize that we have this amazing interest in what goes on in other people's lives. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 20 again. We're looking at the ninth of the tenth, Ten Commandments, and it's in uh, verse 16. But we, we not only read magazines like that. That's kind of the least of the issue. But it's what do we say about people? What do... We hear about people. What do we carry on to somebody else? We just have this tendency to want to listen to what's going on in their lives. And boy, if it's a little bit juicy, it's going to be carried to somebody else. Somebody else is going to hear about it. Uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Jim's right there with one if you want to follow along. Uh, we need another one back there. That's great. But uh, you look at this one, and there is that tendency to to want to read or to hear or whatever, what's going on, whether they're stars, people that everybody knows and what's going on in their life, or whether it's the person next door. And we sometimes see they're coming and going and wondering what's going on there and what's taking place there. And, and you may talk to people and you think, well, this will go no further. And then you hear somebody else has been saying what you said. And 
uh, it's kind of a hearsay, he says, they say. And so we have this tendency in the life of humanity to share things that maybe we shouldn't be sharing. They're not always the best things to share. They're, they're, it's not essential. The commandment this morning is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Uh, you shall not tell an untruth. Uh, I, I want to talk about three ways that we do that in just a few moments. But before we do that, let me just go through and kind of define what we're talking about here when it says this, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, your neighbor... You know, who is your neighbor? When you think about that, who is your neighbor? Well, it's a person that lived next door. You know, we, we know that, or down the street or wherever, they're, they're close. But a neighbor may be someone that you work with. Could be someone in the shopping center where you go to shop, or the store where you're shopping. It could be those two ladies that were at the checkout counter this morning wondering what I was going to do reading these articles in church. <laughs> what church did I go to that I needed to buy those magazines to have something to read while the preacher was preaching. Uh, they probably wouldn't come here based on that. I should have told him I was a pastor. But your neighbor is really anyone that you come in contact with. If we go back to the great, the, the story of the Good Samaritan, you'll remember how Jesus was explaining who a neighbor was and uh, he told the story of a man who had gone along the road. He was beaten. He was robbed. He was laying there, and he was a Jew. He's of, of the nation of Judah, and a priest came along and looked at him and walked on the other side of the road. Now, that man was of the same nationality. He was of the same religious persuasion, and yet he didn't stop to help. There was a Levite that came by, and he also went on the other side of the road, and he was of the same nationality and the same religious persuasion. But then a man, a Samaritan, came by. Basically, different faith, uh, different nationality to a point. And he stopped and he helped him. And then he picked him up and he put him on his, his probably a donkey, and he took him down to the inn and he put him in the inn and he said, take care of him, here's some money when I come back by. If you've spent any more than that, I'll take care of that. Didn't say he gave him everything he had. He simply said he gave him enough to take care of him. And then Jesus said to those who were listening, now who's the neighbor? Well, it was a Samaritan. He wasn't even the same race, and he wasn't the same religious persuasion, and, and yet he was a neighbor. And so we look around this morning, and certainly everyone in this congregation would fit that category. Whether you know them very well or not, they fit that category. Or your neighbor that lives next door to you, or the person you work with, or whoever it is you come in contact with, those are your neighbors, and it says you shall not bear false witness against a neighbor. Um, we know what a witness is. Just going through the definition again, a witness is one who gives credible, credible testimony concerning something. So if you go into a courtroom, and you're there in that courtroom, and they ask you to stand up and be a witness, they're expecting you to give credible testimony. Now, false witness is not credible. It's a lie. Uh, you're not worthy of testifying because what you're going to say isn't true and it isn't right. Uh, it's groundless. Uh, back in the book of Proverbs, we're, as I mentioned earlier, reading through Proverbs. But in Proverbs, the 14th chapter in the 5th verse, chapter 14, verse 5, let me read it for you. It says, a trustworthy witness will not lie. 
but a false witness utters lies. They say things that are not true, say things that are not right. Now, I looked at these magazines, and the amazing thing is you'll read these, and you'll find out later that what was said wasn't true, and it doesn't come out uh, honestly. Uh, You're always hearing about someone having a baby or not having a baby, or they're together or they're not together. You know, I could tell you uh, some stories this morning, and you'd say, really? And they probably wouldn't be true. Uh, what, what was the one you told me this morning? There it is. How many of you like the royals? You know, I was sitting there this morning. I can't even name the main royals. I can only name Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle. But uh, was that true? Where, where did you hear it? Okay. Don't believe it. Uh, but you see, we hear those kinds of things. And I was just talking about this message this morning with Darlene. And I asked her about the things that she had heard. And, and uh, you know, if I told you today that Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitts were getting back together, how many would you would believe that? One. I, I haven't read that. In fact, I just read that Jennifer Aniston and her husband are not getting divorced this morning in one of my magazines. But, uh, and I don't know about that either. But what I want you to realize is there are true witnesses and there are false witnesses. We are not to bear false witness against those that are uh, special to us. We are to tell the truth. Uh, we're to be honest. Uh, Jesus Christ made a statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no falsity in Jesus at all. He is, he is not false. He is totally true. But in... John chapter 8, I believe it's verse 44, it says that Satan is the father of lies. He is a liar. And you know what? He loves to trick us. He loves to get us to believe lies about what God says, about what is true, about what isn't true. And boy, when we buy into that, we find that we have uh, problems because they're lies. Lies divide, improper testimony divides. I I believe that what bearing a false witness to me, it's kind of the white-collar sin of the Christian church. We oftentimes find ourselves talking about people in our church that It's just of interest. They're our friends. We know them. We're we're like family. And yet so often it may be negative or critical. It may be destructive. There was a little church that was growing. It was a dynamic church. It, it, It was amazing. It wasn't just adding to the numbers. They were multiplying. They were exploding. And, uh... They were hearing about all the good things others were doing. And and if there were people hurting, they were selling everything and giving it to them. And it was exciting. That church was growing. But the problem was when they began to talk about the different individuals, some were jealous of others. One man even sold the family farm. And he gave all the money to the leaders of the church. He said, here's the pastors. Here's the money from the sale of the farm. I don't need it anymore. I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm giving my life to him, and I want to give my money. And, of course, that got out, and people were talking, and they were saying, wow, can you believe how much he gave? 
story is found in Acts chapter 5, if you want to go there. It's a story of a man by the name of Barnabas. It was in chapter 4 that he gave all of the money. The church was growing. It was amazing. But, you know, there were others that looked and said, we want to have that notoriety. We want to have people looking at us in the same way. A man by the name of Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, said, boy, I wish people would look at us that way. But to sell the house, to sell the property and give everything away, that's too much. We could never do that. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, A man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And they kept back some of the price for themselves, for himself and his wife, full of the knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, and Peter had been given apparently direction by the Holy Spirit, Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? Here's where the real key comes in. In verse 4 it says, While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? You didn't have to sell it. Nobody made you sell it. You could have kept the property. It, It wasn't necessary to sell. After it was sold, was it not under your control? Ananias You didn't have to give any of the money to the church, or you could have given a portion to the church. It wouldn't matter. Why is it that you've conceived this deed in your heart, and you have not lied to men? Up above it said he lied to the Holy Spirit. Here it says he lied to God. That's because God and the Holy Spirit are both part of the triune God. There is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're both God. And when he lied to the Holy Spirit, certainly he was lying to God. Verse 5, it says, as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and he breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard it. And the young men got up and they covered him up and they, after carrying him out, they buried him. Verse 7. There elapsed an interval of about three hours and his wife came in not knowing what had happened and Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Why are you testing God with this lie? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And a great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard these things. And certainly I would think that would be the normal response, that there would be fear when you hear that. But what I want you to understand today is God hates dishonesty. He hates it when we lie. And you see, that was the issue. It wasn't whether they sold the house or not. It was not whether they gave money or not. The issue was that they lied to God. And God does not want our dishonesty. Satan says it's great. Let me take you back to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. There are... A few verses here I want to read to you, to you, verses 16 to 19. It says, there are six things which the Lord hates. Oh, yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. Well, that's pride. That's arrogance. A lying tongue. There it is. 
God doesn't like the lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. Verse 19, a false witness who utters lies. One who spreads strife among his brethren. That is the seventh thing. But I want you to see number two up there is a lying tongue. Number six is a false witness who spreads lies. It says... These are things that God hates. Well, why do we lie? And what is a lie? What are we talking about this morning? Well, a lie is any untruth. And it's easy to get in the habit of doing that. I think some people lie naturally. It's just become an easy thing. From the time they were children, they seem to get away with it. And they continue to do that. And they think nobody knows, but the fact is people do. They just don't say anything. What's the use in confronting it? We know the person doesn't tell the truth, and so we don't, lie, we don't say anything. But a lot of times people lie, one reason would be to impress others. Somebody says something, they've done a great thing, or they've done something, and all of a sudden you hear this person, they always have to have something they did a little better, even though it may not always be true. It's to impress. It's, it's to make others feel they're important. Another reason we may lie is out of revenge. I want to get even. Um, I want to destroy someone else's personality because I'm jealous of them or I'm angry at them. This last year, uh, 49ers have had several individuals on their team who have been charged with spousal molestation or, or molesting, abusing uh, a girlfriend or someone else. Uh, Reuben Foster is a linebacker. He was a, it was his first year this last year. He was down in the draft, so the 49ers got him because he already had problems in college. And his girlfriend accused him of abusing her. If he had done it, he probably would have been dropped from the 49ers. That may have been the end of his pro career. And after a while, it came out, maybe in the court case or whatever, that she said, well, he really didn't. I got in a fight with a couple of other girls in San Francisco, and that's where I got my bruises. But I wanted to get even because we broke up. And I wanted to destroy him. And she lied. Thankfully, uh, she took it back, if, if that's true. I don't know whether he abused her or whether he didn't. Maybe she was taking it back for some other reason. Maybe she was taking it back for pro profit. You know, that's why some people lie. Uh, we tell people our car's perfect when really it isn't. We know it isn't. We're selling it, and we want to get rid of it. You know that old saying? What is the saying? It's, uh, let the buyer beware. And so we have to be careful because not everybody's as honest as we are or as we want people to think we are. Lying. God detests lying. People lie to escape punishment. Uh, there's four reasons why people would lie very quickly. But they lie to escape punishment. I would imagine a number of the police officers that I've known and those who are here have heard some amazing tales about people and why they're speeding. Uh, you know, they, these things come out, well, I have to get to the hospital, or I have to get here, or I have to get there, and 
really, officer, I didn't mean to be speeding. I, you know, I have to get to church. It's about time to preach. Uh, something like that. We do it to escape punishment. We don't want to have punishment. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, 25, it says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, to his neighbor. For we are neighbors of one another. So the issue here is if you are a liar, stop lying. If you don't lie, don't start. God says that's not his will and we shouldn't do that. There's another way that we lie, and that is simply to distort the truth. Uh, not tell it exactly like it is. Actually, we say it's not really a lie. It's just a, it's just a subtle little turning of the truth a little bit. I, I read this one. I, I know that... Uh, Robin will probably get this. A young woman was heard talking to a friend, a neighbor, and and she was talking about her husband, and and they'd just gotten married not too long ago, and she said, when he told me he had loved me till the cows come home, oh, I was excited. I just didn't know he was a cattle rancher. You see, the cows came home. Uh, Yeah, only farm people get that, don't they, Robin? Yeah. A misquote, uh, falls into this category. I think the religious or the uh, gossip magazines I, I just brought uh, oftentimes are misquotes there. Leviticus in chapter 19, verse 16. Let me just read this, this verse to you. Leviticus 19, verse 16, it says, You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people, you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. And this is, this is an area, this, this stating of a mistruth is, is one that I think is a real issue we have to be very careful with. It has to do with slandering or with gossip. And do you know how easy it is to be involved in gossip and not even realize it until afterwards? where we hurt the the reputation of an individual, we begin to talk to somebody, they're a friend, we're just discussing, he's our friend, we know him, and we begin to talk about his or her life. And we spread things that shouldn't be spread. And we destroy reputations. I've known of churches that have been destroyed, not over theological issues, but divided over issues of gossip. And it divides. And I I, I remember a woman who talked about other individuals and, you know, I confronted her a little bit on why she was offended that anyone would think that she would do that. But she continued on, and it was brought up with a couple of people, and they said, oh, it's okay, that's just the way she is. That's just her personality. But it became more destructive in that body of believers. You see, it's, it's easy to find ourselves talking about other people and destroying relationships. Let me give you four rules. And you may want to write these down 
if someone comes to you and there's gossip. Where do we hear a lot of gossip today? Anybody know? Facebook, all the media, social media, family. Yeah, there's all kinds of places where we hear people talking about others and and we see it and, and even personal things that get on Facebook that shouldn't be there. Uh, or some of the other. That just happens to be the one that I look at periodically. I, I'm if, if you're on Facebook with me, I apologize because I am a terrible Facebook person. I don't look at it very often and I don't write back very often. But I think we have to be very careful. goes back to this, of, of what's put on there and what we do and what we don't do. But let me give you four rules. If someone comes to you with a story, maybe you question whether it's true or not. And let me tell you something. When, when they come to you with a story, it's never what they have seen. It's always about, have you heard? Did you hear? You know, these people say, or those people say. It kind of protects them. It doesn't come back to them. But I would encourage you... Uh, identify the source by name. Where did you hear that? Who did you hear it from? I, I just want to trace it back. I remember a, a man that I had in my last church, and uh, they would come to him, and they would tell him stories, and he would say, oh, who said that? And then he'd go back to who they said, if they would tell him. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to divulge that then they need to quit spreading it and sharing it. But he would go back to the individuals and and he would trace it back until he found it and he would stop it there. It wasn't very long until nobody shared with him anymore. Uh, and And you take that chance that people may say, I don't want to be there. Also, um, number one, identify the source by name. Number two, support the evidence with facts. Don't just accept hearsay, you know, even from your closest friend. And unless they can sit down and say, this is the truth and these are the facts. And then you go back and deal with it. But, but unless they can do that, don't accept it. If they have no facts and it's just kind of hearsay, you don't want to listen to it. Third thing, when a person brings you a story, ask if you can quote them by name. Oh, can, can I tell him that you told me that? Ends real quick. No, I don't want my name attached to it, and I'm not telling you who else said it. Fourth thing, and uh, this, is, this is a hard one. It takes a strong person. But look at the individual who is sharing with you and simply say, I don't really appreciate hearing that. I would rather you didn't tell me those things. And it may drive a wedge between you and that person. They, they may not be happy that you would say that because now they begin to feel a little bit of guilt. And yet when the garbage comes out, we need to stop it and, and say we don't want to hear it. You know, some people even distort the word of God. And we find that happened back in Galatians in chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Paul uh, was writing to the Galatians because there were problems in the church. And he said, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ. 
I'm amazed that you're deserting him for a different gospel. Oh, really, it's, it's not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And you see, that's what someone who takes the word of God out of context to distort it, the cultist will do. They will say, well, this is what it says, when it really isn't. And so when you begin to look at that, you go back and say, but what does the Bible teach about who Jesus Christ is? And what does the Bible teach us about other aspects of life? And so uh, lying is to tell a falsehood. It's to gossip. And there's a third way that a false witness is there, and that's the exaggeration. Uh, we, we just tend to exaggerate a little bit. Uh, you know, the story gets bigger. I went fishing. I went fishing. We didn't go fishing this time when we went to Tahoe, but I used to go there all the time. And I have a story about one where I was down into a hole on the Truckee River and I dropped my line in and all of a sudden there was a hit and I had that fish and, man, he broke the lure. And do you know how big that fish has gotten now? He is huge. Or you say, I caught a fish this long. Now, how long was the fish? That's right. I had two of them, actually. Exaggeration. People tend to exaggerate uh, about things. You know, we, we saw their dog. It's as big as a horse. It really isn't. But you understand that. You don't, you don't have a problem with that. But sometimes we exaggerate in our marriages. There are two words that are an exaggerate. You always and you never. You never help around the house. You never listen to me. You never do this. You always have to have your way. You're always gone when I need you. You you always are just watching TV. The problem is those things aren't true. It may be true that you do some things too often or you don't listen enough but the always and the nevers are destructive. You can't even sit and have a logical conversation on always and nevers. They're exaggerations that destroy. It ends the conversation right there. I would say in, in marriages, we have to be so careful that we don't use terms like that. In churches, we have to be careful that we don't use terms like that. Exaggerations are, are destructive um, if used in an improper way. You listen to an evangelist on TV and he says, if you don't give us a million dollars by next week, we're going to have to close down. Well, the probability is they won't. But they've exaggerated how much they need. They may need some money. But we have to be careful even in church that exaggerations don't become an issue. You know, in James chapter 5, verse 12, there's a, an interesting statement. 
It simply says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You have a contract, you sign that contract, but you shouldn't have to. Because your word should be so positive and acceptable that they know when you say yes or no that it's there. I'm not saying don't sign the contract, you need to do it. But in terms of our own hearts and our own minds, that's where it is. You need to be honest. They need to know that you're a person of honesty. They need to know that you're a person of integrity. You need to know that I am a person of honesty and integrity. To carry a tale, to embellish facts, to take something that's small and make it into something that's bigger can be devastating. God didn't just give us that command for the welfare of others he did it for us as well you know when we're honest and and we don't have lies back there we don't have to worry about what other people are going to say we don't have to take care of it later and we're freed up from that and the guilt's not there it's just learning to be honest with one another you are not to be a false witness against your neighbor I think the issue is that when we have been, we need to go to that person and apologize. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves, and man, that's hard. I don't like to do that. But it's necessary if there's to be unity and there's to be oneness. Because tales spread so quickly. And lies destroy your personality, and your credibility. And even when you go back and you tell a person I was wrong or I'm sorry, the trust is still broken and it takes time to rebuild it. How do people view you? How do your family members view you? Are you seen as one who is honest? Or one who tends to be dishonest? Can you accept what is said with surety that it's true? Or is credibility in question? The ninth commandment. You're not to be a dishonest witness towards your neighbor. You're to be honest. I would encourage you, you may not have a problem there. Others that you know may. But I would encourage you to evaluate your own life today. Where am I in terms of being a liar? Well, I'm not a liar. A few little things. But how about rumors? Or how about exaggerations? Are those issues that we need to deal with, even in our own marriages and our own relationships and with our kids? You never clean your room. And yet, just three weeks ago, he picked up a toy. (laughs) Never's and always hurt. Let's pray. Father, help us to, you know, we look at these commandments and, and we wonder at times how they relate to us. Is it really an issue for me?
talked about honoring your father and mother in terms of loving your neighbor. It's what the Bible says, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, but we talked about honoring our parents. We talked about the importance of you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not lie. Next week we get into desiring what somebody else has to the point where it becomes excessive. We talk about coveting, Father, and that's a hard one because we see things and we want them. And Boy, we wouldn't, we wouldn't think that it's a sin, and yet sometimes it gets to that point that we have to begin to really evaluate where it is. And that's true with honesty too, Father. We need to evaluate our lives. Where are we in terms of honesty? Are we honoring you or aren't we with what we do? The Bible says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And that includes our conversation and what we say about others and the tales we bear. And so help us to evaluate our lives, Father. Psalms 139, it calls on you to search us and know us. Try our hearts, Father. That would be our desire. Thank you, Father, for the message on this one short little verse. But help us to take it to heart and evaluate how it relates to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.